we search for about anything online. And the site, second only to Google, is YouTube. Oh, it is the place for music and videos and some crazy stuff and news clips. I mean, it is this smorgasbord of visual stimulation. And then I figure with the, the COVID lockdown and most of us at home, I mean, I'm surprised we haven't broken the internet. I mean, like, hey, you kids, quit stealing my bandwidth, you know? And many of us have typed into that very place, that site, how to do whatever. And that might be, you know, something where how to make something or fix something. And so we go to it for instruction and guidance and troubleshooting help. You know, we are a nation of DIYers. And we go to it for that very inquiry to all of our questions that we fill it up with. Now, don't you wish that we had a site where we could go to with our spiritual inquiries? Yeah, where somebody has taken like all the complexities of the Bible and uh, they've uh, got it all boiled down, like how to live according to God in just some simple how-to steps. You know, the basics of practicing faith. Well, this is your lucky day because Bettendorf Christian is here to serve you and simplify and put into some form here some ways of how to do this spiritual stuff. Basics. So, this is meant to be, to put out there in a way, to kind of a, a learn to get going on it. Um, it's a caution. This is not like a fully stocked buffet of spiritual instruction, okay? It's like church tube, not, you know, church exhaustive. I mean, there is a limit to the, you can't do it yourself uh, thing on everything. I remember the clip of the guy, and he's being wheeled into surgery. And, of course, he is nervous, and he's scared, and needs to be calmed down. And then, to his surprise, the doctor speaks to him through the face mask and assures him, saying, don't worry about a thing. He says, I've just looked up on how to perform this operation on YouTube. No, <laughs> we're not going to do that. But we are going to take the first uh, couple of very widely recognized disciplines uh, prayer and Bible study or Bible reading. I'll take the first one, then Taryn's going to follow with the second. And actually, I did type in that on YouTube. I was like, how to pray? And I got like 133 million hits. So I clicked on all of them, and I compiled them all together and just kind of abridged them and brought them down to a form to share. No, I didn't do that. I just asked like, is there anywhere where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray? Sure enough, Matthew chapter 6 is the place to go, and in that Sermon on the Mount, in the place, he starts out actually talking how not to do prayer, because he begins saying, like, it's certainly not ever be done to draw attention to yourself, that'd be verse 5, and then he goes on to say about, and don't be like others who babble on and on with their prayers, you know, thinking because they're many words, that's why God's going to hear them, nope, don't do that, verse 7, in fact, when we pray the way that Jesus instructed them, you'll be surprised at how short it can be, okay? Don't know if you have a stopwatch, but uh, let's see. Can we just uh, say it together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, that's the end of the Matthew 6, 9 to 13, but we usually add the praise of the ending what? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, that took about what? A whole 30 seconds? <laughs> 
which is extremely comforting when you think about it, because a Jesus-type prayer does not have to be long. You want to um, listen to someone that's having trouble staying focused in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for everything I have. I mean, it's all good, well, except for the car. Oh, man, that thing's acting up again. I better call a mechanic. Now, I wonder if that one guy's taking his calls today like, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, Maybe I'll pick that, get that on my to-do list. Oh, yeah, God, uh, yeah, sorry. I, I pray for his soul, Lord. Um, you know, that's actually a really tough situation with his wife. You know, he told me about some time back. Please be with him. And they're just so great people. I just love talking with them. I mean, I remember that one laugh that we had that we like, oh, yeah, right. Um, okay, God, stay focused. Um, look, please help the people in our church. Uh, that woman whose mom is in poor health. What's her name? Uh, Colleen or Colleen or... Oh, I feel bad not able to remember it. And what was even wrong with her? Was it cancer or was it heart trouble? Or, uh, uh, Lord, please, do you get mad at me when I tell people I'm, you know, promise I'm going to pray for them and then I forget to? Please don't fail to answer their prayers, Lord, on account of me. And look, okay, okay. <clears throat> I'm just going to pray about those who are hospitalized. Okay, Lord, please be. Oh. I can't think of anyone by name right now. I don't know if anybody's in, Lord. Uh, okay, I'll pray about something else. Um, uh, be thankful for blessings. And I am, Lord. Thank you that uh, we have food and for a house and God that we have money to pay the bills. And uh, Lord, thank you for the kids and and uh, the pets. And <laughs> I remember that Maryland lady. She, she just calls her dog like Charles or Ben. I mean, <laughs> like a man's name. It's like, what's that Stephen Wright joke? It's like he calls his dog, you know, stay. So when he calls him, he says, come, stay. Come, stay. You know, <laughs> cracks me up. And anyone else relate? <laughs> I mean, good grief. I'm, this is embarrassing because I've been a Christian, you know, walked with Jesus my life for like 37 years. You would have thought by now I'd have a better prayer life. <laughs> You feel guilty and like something is wrong with you spiritually speaking. And it, here's other people and they claim to have these incredible, powerful experiences, you know, sensing God. And then here you are with this flittering, distracting mind and wandering all over the place. It's a wonder God does not even, you know, give up on you. And yet Jesus' prayer took how long? 30 seconds. <laughs> Uh, I think he knows that we are like little birds who flutter from one subject to another, easily distracted by the smallest details. And maybe 30 seconds is all that some people can do before their mind starts to drift. The Lord kept his prayer short. God knows and he loves us. And for that reason, he didn't make these spiritual practices complex. Now, each of these phrases in here awaken us to who God is and by praying this way uh, it puts things in perspective there are ways that we could and can be expanded on this prayer if we just kind of take it like phrase by phrase you know the first thing is in perspective is it's not like that this is something that God needs like you know he's going to be in a bad mood if we don't glorify him but no that's what we need to do to offer up to him many prayers are perfectly acceptable but probably among the best are those that first give praise to God our father in heaven start out by magnifying him addressing him affectionately because you know he's not some distant deity in the sky he's the most loving tender authority in your life psalm 107 says give thanks to the lord for he is good so when bad things are happening you know you can go to god because you know that he is good 
and he cares for you. You know, pray like children going to their caring daddy who just delights in them. He's not just out there, but, you know, think of heaven as actually close, that you can actually just reach out and touch him. Hallowed be your name. Okay, that word does not come off my lips very easily. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But it acknowledges God as in I get into the proper position before him. Since he is holy and with special glory, it's not a problem that I pray the wrong words as much as it is if I have the wrong attitudes in prayer. I mean, that's what Jesus was actually jumping all over people about. The right prayer position is not physical. I mean, because the Bible speaks of all kinds of uh, positions, bowing and kneeling and speaking uh, by standing up or heads raised or eyes open or eyes closed, sitting down or lying down. No, no, the main thing is to not take God for granted. He is revered, and we are profoundly small before him. In prayer, what we're acknowledging is he is God, and I am not. And we do not do well if we get those mixed up. Nothing good's going to come to him, but his name stands for his character and his nature, so we treat him with honor above any other. In prayer, we tell God that he's holy, that no one else is worthy as he is, and we prize him above everything else. In prayer, we remind yourself, you know, God is in control. And we need to see him for who he is. Then we can focus on what he does. Because that's three of the next six phrases that Jesus used have to do with his will. Your kingdom come. Kingdom talk. That's about ruling. You know, as in the great king, he comes to rule us now in a visible way in our life. And this helps us then view our world and our lives through heaven's perspective. So you have a perfect king operating with perfect wisdom showing perfect care with perfect justice on every level, personal, social, political, you name it. We come to him based on his grace, not all our good works. We might even know, you know, what it is that he wants, but we want it to be applied to our lives. And so we pray, your will be done. Not everyone wants God interfering with their lives. And so if they don't, then he won't push it on them. Now, it won't be good for them. But it'd be much better if we were open to it and we say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because, you know, in everything, heaven is good. So picture yourself in which all of that good is coming into your life and to everyone you know. You know, another passage I think of that enlightens this for us comes in 1 Thessalonians. It says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we have this partnership with God. And we who are willing to involve him in our life, it enables us to actually accomplish his will. Because God cares about us and hears us in prayer, we have the confidence to basically just go with him and bring up anything, even what we want. And that's what the next section of requests start to deal. That we, we know that God will not ignore us. And I don't see any people in the Bible, examples of their life before God and how, I mean, even when they get angry with him and they accuse him of all such kinds of things, like being deaf to their cries, he does not crush them. He doesn't ignore them. You don't have to pretend to have a relationship with God. No, he wants you to come just exactly where you're at, what you're feeling, where you're coming from, to pray honestly. And in all the following ways that Jesus taught us to pray about daily bread and asking forgiveness and deliverance from evil and getting through temptation successfully means that your thoughts and your issues are important and he puts them on his agenda. Prayer is the method that you use to look at your problems together with God. You share them with him from your perspective. And then in that experience, 
you probably are going to end up seeing them or viewing them from his perspective. That makes prayer so powerful. Not in the many words that we say, but we tap into the Father and he begins to work on them. God knows what you need. You know, whether you feel like it or not, God is present. Having a special time and a place is is probably uh, preferable. But really what makes prayer so powerful is the fact that it is God who is present. And what makes it special is just that basic encouragement to pray and pray always and pray with gratitude in your heart and pray no matter where you're at, what you're doing. A man who became a close friend of mine had not been close to God for most of his life. I've always believed in God, Tim, he told me. He said, I haven't understood how faith worked. He said, then one day you told me to just pray about everything that you do. And he said, I began to do that. He said, I was working on my house and trying to remodel it by myself. It was really hard. So he said, I'd be on a ladder and reaching out to hammer in a board. And I didn't want to fall. And I'd pray, God, would you please help me? And he did. Or I'd start to slip something and began to drop and I, I didn't want it to fall and I just, in that split second prayer, I'd ask that he'd help me and he would help me catch it just in time. He says prayer became automatic like a habit. He says it changed my life. My faith in God has grown tremendously. How to pray? <laughs> Tell you what, it's just praying about anything and everything and everywhere you know pray when you uh, brush your teeth or when you watch tv or walk down the hall or you step outside pray when you download files or you clean off the table pray when you change the baby or when you play with the kids or when you vacuum pray when you check the oil or you head out to the store or you step outside pray because the lord loves you And he wants to hear from you. And because you want him involved in your life. Okay, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I have never seen any of the Star Wars films until about a month ago. Um, it was, I decided that a f- couple of friends of mine got together and they were like, look, you, you need to be up on the major culture here. And so we're going to, we're going to have you over and, and we're going to start you on a Star Wars journey. I was like, okay. And so if you're familiar with Star Wars at all, you know that the first movie was released in theaters in 1977. And then there were three, there were three movies in the original trilogy. And then the fourth movie, uh, was released and it was a part of the prequel trilogy what happened was because of the way the movies were released and the story was expanded the first movie that was released in 1977 actually ended up being called uh, episode number four and the fourth movie that was a part of the prequel story uh, actually ended up being uh, labeled as episode number one so when you have a Star Wars newbie like me I never really knew how to start and how to engage with Star Wars and like where was the 
actual first, where, where's, it, where's the jump in point here? So my friends who are kind of the Star Wars experts in my life, uh, they started me at episode number one, uh, which was actually the fourth movie. And as I got to talking with other Star Wars friends, they were like, oh man, you started in the wrong place. You should have started over here. So there's a lot of Star Wars purists out there that believe that the only way to experience Star Wars is by watching episode number four and starting at that point in the story and moving on as you go. And then there's other people who go like, yeah, you can start wherever you want to because anywhere you start is going to give you pros and cons into the storyline. Some things you know ahead of time, some things you don't see coming, uh, and there's surprises either way you go. Now, you may be wondering, like, what in the world does Star Wars have to do with uh, engaging and reading your Bible? You see, a lot of people, when it comes to the Bible, are purists as well. And they believe that the only right way to read the Bible is only the text, no other aids, no other helpers, anything like that. No commentaries, anything. Just the Word of God. Other people don't know how to get along without a workbook or a preset path to help guide them. Um, otherwise, it just feels like how I feel when someone gives me a complex math problem. I just kind of stare at the paper for a long time, uh, reading it and rereading it, trying, hoping that I am able to figure out what's happening. See, the Christian life is one uh, where there are various seasons. There's seasons of growth, and there's seasons of plateau, and there's winter seasons where you feel like your ultimate goal is just survival, and there's everything in between. In my 20 years of following Jesus, I feel like I've experienced all the seasons. I, have, I can look back on times in my life where uh, there was nothing I love more than reading the word of God and engaging with it. And at every point, like I, I would go on break and I would just want to read the word of God in a corner and have everyone leave me alone. And I'd get home and I'd want to read more. And then there's been dry spells too. A uh, time where I uh, didn't engage with God's word often and and on top of that I often felt guilty uh, I felt guilty that I didn't want to read God's word that I wasn't making time for it uh, and then that guilt would uh, make me feel like whenever I did come to the Bible it was more of a chore it was out of the wrong heart uh, that I was doing it and all of those feelings would just kind of create the cycle because my guilt would keep me away from the word of God and my guilt would drive me to the word of God and none of it ever felt right because I always always felt like I was always supposed to love it as much as I had in the seasons of growth. And then there was everything in between, you know, the Bible studies, the classes, the workbooks, uh, the new Bible reading plans, the times when I would just need a jump start, like a new Bible or um, a new translation or even seminary classes on specific books. And Here's what I've learned over all these years. There's no right or wrong way to engage with God's word. In my 10 years of being a pastor, it's a very common question that I get asked by kids and grown-ups alike. Like, Pastor Taryn, how do I read the Bible in a way that makes sense to me? Here's my struggles, and here's what I'm having trouble with, and so how do I read God's word in a way that's meaningful? Or they're struggling and they say, I know I should be, I know I should want to, but I'm not, I just don't have the time, and then I feel the guilt, and on and on and on. 
And often the root of these statements is a true desire to want to read God's word and at the same time not feeling like enough, not feeling disciplined enough, not feeling smart enough, uh, feeling as though you should be further along in uh, your studies or able to teach a class or be as well versed in the word uh, as someone else you admire. And what is more harmful than engaging in the word of God in the supposed wrong way is comparing uh, where you're at in your journey to that of someone else. Let me say it again, and I want you to repeat after me. There is no right or wrong way to read the Bible. Now, overall, there are a lot of things to consider when jumping into a Bible study uh, by a particular author. I use the term from a 20,000 foot view, like when you're in an airplane, you can see all around you. An overall theological alignment is essential and imperative when you're talking about engaging in God's word. You've got to align theologically. Uh, translations matter as well, and there are so many good translations out there, but most of us tend to end up with a favorite that we kind of stick with. From there, I think there are several considerations to make when uh, wanting to engage in God's word. The first one is your current season of life. Listen, we all have seasons where things are just hectic and crazy. When you're a brand new parent, you're in a different season of life than when you're an empty nester. And both are hard, but they're just different in terms of your energy levels and your time availability and all those things. Um, when you're getting a new job or launching your career or you're in school full-time or whatever those things, all of those things are factors into your time, your energy levels, your ability to give it, your attention, all of those things are, are things to consider. The second thing is your spiritual gifts and your personal talents and your learning styles. Understanding how you learn best um, is going to be a huge help when you go to engage in God's word. Uh, your spiritual gifts matter. When people are musicians, I've found that they read uh, God's word in a, almost in a rhyme and in a rhythm a lot of times. They find songs in the text that engage their heart and who God has made them to be. I am not a musician in any sense of the word, so uh, I'm a teacher. God has gifted me in teaching abilities. So for me, a lot of times when I am putting together a lesson for a group or a, or a talk or a sermon, um, gosh, it just comes kind of comes alive for me in those moments and I get filled back up uh, from God's word. So all of those things are things to consider when you're engaging with God's word. And the third thing I would say is your overall maturity in your Christian walk. There are uh, as many studies and methods for reading the Bible as there are people, just about. Uh, it certainly feels that way. And some resources are going to be great for new Christians. Uh, and while other people who have been walking with Christ for four and five decades of their life, they, they need a different resource out there, and that's okay, but most resources are gonna label, you know, something that's for new people versus uh, a different kind of study, and, um, and all of those resources are there to help you on your walk and as you engage with God's word. And one key thing I just want to point out is that there, again, there's no right or wrong to this. God will never spend time with you 
and leave it unredeemed. He values his time with you. And that is what's most important. It doesn't matter how long you're spending with God. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong if you have two minutes uh, one day to sit and pray and read a quick couple of verses. He will use that time for his glory. He will never let it go unredeemed. And that is the most important thing. I want to get into a few specifics of ways we can engage with the Bible that might work for you. Some you've heard of and some you might not have heard of. Now, we created a resource for you uh, that's going to be on our website, bettendorfchristian.com, as well as our Facebook page. So I encourage you, after this is over, to uh, run to those places and grab that resource. And it's got a lot of the details of what I'm about to explain. Um, so there's several ways to engage with, the, uh, with God's Word, as I've talked about before. Before. Um, there's a chronological, uh, the chronological reading plan. Um, a lot of you all know that the Bible isn't put together um, from cover to cover as start to finish of the story. So it's all mixed up. It's out of order um, in terms when you're talking about a chronological storyline. And for a lot of people, they, they want to see that storyline develop as it goes. Uh, so there are chronological reading plans out there. Um, there's a genre reading plan. So our Bible is actually uh, designed to uh, it's put together by genre and there's six different genres out there so uh, this is one of my favorites this speaks to my heart so this is one of the ways that I do it is that um, each day of the week is uh, a different genre so I just read what I can some days I have 10 minutes to read um, a certain place and and other days I have five and whatever that looks like is is kind of what I do um, so I'm not checking off any boxes I'm just I'm just reading through the genre and spending the time that I have. There's Bible in a Year plans. That There's some great resources out there for those. Uh, Bible in a Year, that's a fun challenge. A lot of people get revved up uh, for that kind of challenge. Uh, there's thematically, so there's lots of different themes in the Bible that you can hit, that you can read and engage with God's Word uh, through the theme. Not everyone is a reader, though, and I've learned that throughout the years. So again, your learning style, you may be an auditory learner, and there are auditory resources out there for people that would choose to listen and would learn better if they listen to God's Word being read to them rather than trying to get through a book. So you auditory learners out there, you are not up the creek. Um, visual learners, there's also, we live in an amazing time and space in history where you can learn the Bible by watching videos. And there's just some incredible resources out there, one of which my favorite that I shared in the resource was the Bible Project. It's just a great resource. Um, the other one that I enjoy is a virtual community. Um, there's one for men called hereadstruth.com and one for women, shereadstruth.com. And they have, uh, they have paper resources, but they also do a virtual community, which I just love. And then, of course, there are workbooks. And um, there's tons of workbooks. I don't, no one has the space to give you all of those. But there's one series in particular that I want to uh, share with you called the Foundation Series. And there's a workbook for kids, for teens, and for adults. And it's a 200 160-day plan uh, to go through the Bible, and so I really enjoyed that series. I hope you'll uh, get to check that out if you're if you're willing. But again, check out the resource guide. It's got a lot more on it and a lot more details. And I would say, um, you know, you can always talk to one of the pastors here on staff. We love getting connected uh, with people, and we love connecting them with God's Word. So uh, we are here to be resource providers for you, and we would love to continue this chat on 
Overall, I want you to know there's no wrong way of doing this. So engage with God's word. Find a way that's meaningful for you, and he will not let that time go unredeemed. Well, we hope this has helped you not to create guilt because we believe in the freedom of God's grace that motivates us and even allows us to do this. You know, a fearless church has people that are willing to actually just step out and do something even if it's new for them. You know, the disciplines, they do take some effort, but we don't want to do prayer and Bible study just simply like going through emotions because then it can become like a charade. You know, how to should be done out of a want to, not a, a have to. And it's not so much about, you know, finding a pattern that, you know, that someone else thinks that you should do, but let your praying and your Bible reading be genuine. That's what the Lord wants it to be. So just spend time with it. It may not be an hour, maybe just 10 minutes or 30 seconds, which is way better than zero. <laughs> what God really is after is your heart. So why don't we pray about that? Oh, Father, we acknowledge your greatness, and you deserve our best, though we often fail to give you that. Lord, forgive us when our actions have been faithless, our minds have been distracted, we want you in our lives. God, this heart is broken, but it is yours. Teach me, change me, shape me into whatever you want me to be. For your glory, mighty and loving God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, we pray.